What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, got Fred from False Confession. And then at the end of the pod, we got Charman busting it out live. So that's something special. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Smash that button. Also, give it a like, rate it, review it. All that stuff really helps out the pod. And much respect to everyone who's done it already. Thanks so much. If you want to go the extra mile, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. Become a monthly Patreon. One dollar gets be- gets you behind the paywall. And uh, if you can help out some more, that is much appreciated as well. Uh, trying to do Patreon episodes for almost every interview we do. So if I interview a dude, basically I have on some buddies, and we talk about that podcast, talk about his discography. And honestly, those are some of the most fun pods for me to do, and I think it's some of the best content. So check it out. But without further ado... Let's get on to Fred. One hundred eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, I got Fred from False Confession. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, Zach? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Cool, no problem. Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, How did you get into punk and hardcore? And was it your first musical love, or were you into stuff before? I was into stuff before because my dad was into a lot of rock and stuff. He listened to a lot of all kinds of music. There was always music in the house. But... I got started on like, um, I don't know, like Black Sabbath and ACDC, you know, like all this hard rock stuff. And then my friends from down the street, like, and I think it was in high school. That's around like when punk was just happening, like it was like late 70s, early 80s. But I, ha- I haven't never really heard it yet. But then my friends brought over a cassette of the Sex Pistols, um, never mind the Bullock. Like, oh, okay, this is punk. Okay, this is cool. You know, blah, blah, blah. you know, I, I got it. It was, it was cool. And I heard the moans and everything. But then I had my other friend, this guy Todd Caster. He, um, he goes, "That's not, no, that's not real punk. This is real punk." <laughs> and he brought over a the Black Flag Damaged album, and that was like huge for me. I was a game changer. Like, oh my god, this is insane! It was so raw, and like Greg Ginn's playing, and just just the the rawness of it. I was hooked. I was like, I just want to listen to hardcore. So I started like, get, I got really into hardcore punk. Like after that, and I discovered all these bands like Money Threat and uh, SOA. I was like a big one, SOA and Money Threat, and then Discharge, and then like Wasted Youth, uh, GBH, all that stuff. Yeah, I got really into it. hardcore punk. Was like the turn turning point for me. It's like fuck all the rock stuff. <laughs> it was like hardcore. I was that's what I liked the most. So yeah, did you had yeah. you had you already been playing guitar or or was it no, punk that inspired you? The only it was the punk it was punk that inspired me like um yeah after that after like hearing all that stuff my friend had a guitar for sale well here's like i think it goes like i wanted to start a band with just my friends so i'll play drums and they go yeah but he plays them i tell that was the first drum i goes, no but he plays drums i go but i don't want like we need a guitar player i go but i want to play drums i go well, I think um, Darren has a guitar for sale. Why don't you go get one? I guess. So I bought it. And I was I was only a guitar player to, by default. I didn't even want to play guitar. <laughs> I, wanted to play, I wanted to be a drummer. Yeah. So I got stuck with playing guitar. But that was it. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't take it seriously or anything. I just wanted to, you know, do it, like start a band and whatever. I wanted to play drums. I think I want to play drums. But yeah, I just got stuck with guitar and I just, I just stuck with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Did he, so, did he, yeah. Did Go he, ahead. Oh, did he start going to shows around that time as well? Yeah, I was going to shows a lot of, like, um, let me see. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. I might be jumping back and forth, but um, we go to the show. Like, me and my friends would go to shows up in the Valley in L.A., we, but we, would, we weren't going to the hardcore shows yet. We would go see, like, uh, who would we go? go to see like Wall of Voodoo or like um like all these power pop bands and um 
like Oingo Boingo and stuff. And, sure. But then, uh, yeah, once the hardcore thing, once we got into the hardcore thing, we started going to, we started going to the Cafe de Grand a lot. And that's where we met. I think, but then I think we were, we already, I was already, we already met, met a couple of guys like, you know, from the hardcore scene, like John Faneth and uh, Ismail and everybody. And we started going to the shows because we knew them, but I don't know if we, pl- we haven't played there yet. We haven't played out. We haven't really got the band going yet. What high sc- What high school did you go to? I went to Channel Island. Okay, and so they were at Wyoming, yeah. right? Well, see what the guys when I when it, the band first started, it was um, the bass player, this guy Bob. He's on the he's on the demo LP, Bob Biggerstaff, and then the guy that played drums was in the marching band in Channel Island High, and he had access to all the music room there, so. You bring all the instruments from like on the weekend from the high school. We like bring all the drums and bring like he had all the guitar amps. And I had a guitar and we didn't know how to make distortion. <laughs> it was funny. It was like, uh, how do you, how does this, how do you get distortion out of it? I don't know. <laughs> we would just turn everything up on 10. It was like, I remember it was a Fender Twin Reverb and there's, and it had a master volume. So we couldn't get any real distortion. We just, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to get any sound. We were not musicians. We were just starting out. We just wanted to have fun. It was just like a, a like a fun thing. It wasn't even like a, a real thing to get in. Oh, I want to start a punk band, play shows. It wasn't even that. It just, we just wanted to play like, yeah, you know, punk rock. Like we were doing like, a, you know, we just do all the, we were doing a bunch of covers and just like those are distortion covers in like 1945 and what else? And it was like all the songs that we knew how to play like Red Cross and some Wasted Youth songs. But it's fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's a three piece first. Yeah, and that demo LP came out, but it didn't have really any information in it. What year did you guys do the demo and, and get the band I, together? I think I think it was like eighty two, eighty one. Like we were a couple of us were still in high school. I hadn't even met Israel yet. because uh, I think we wanted yeah, when we started taking it a little bit more seriously, that's when we met Israel. And Israel got in the band. And then Artel, the first drummer, I, I can't remember how he left, but I know we were auditioning drummers. And and I met Harry, because we used to surf together, and then uh, he tried out, and he was he was really good. He, liked playing, he was playing super fast right off the bat. He go, okay, let's get this guy. So, I can't remember, we weren't, together that very long all of us just started leaning about our player instruments and go hey there's this uh there's this um thing at uh goldmine studios in terms of having this special you can go in there for one day and they'll record like just so much like one day a whole day and we just went in and we just practiced a bunch just went in there and just recorded it and that's uh that's what we got <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's very similar to like ill reputed the two demos and they just got re-released recently um Oh really? Yeah, yeah, but because you do so many songs, and it's the same thing. They went into the same studio and and recorded like you know ten songs each session. Yeah, and, I didn't even know how we even wrote all that stuff. It's like when I think back, like we had like it was like sixteen. It's a lot of songs. songs and, yeah, that's hilarious. So yeah, we were just barely like learning how to play. That was. And we just got thrown in. Like, I think this is how you get chills. You just make a demo, and then you go to the clubs, and then you, you, um, you know, get to the promoter or whatever. We were so green back. <laughs> you know, we were just a bunch of kids. I think Harry was 16 when we recorded. Yeah, those guys are really young. Do you? I think it was like eight or 19. Do you remember the first shows you played? Like, were you playing parties and so forth? Yeah, we were playing parties. Uh, the first show we played, I think it was, yeah, it was a, it was a house party for sure. Um, I can't remember who played, but yeah, when we played, like everybody dug it. Like, oh, cool! Everybody liked it, you know. Like, we met a lot of those, a lot of those guys, like Tony Cortez and John and Ismael. I remember meeting Ismael and John and Carl Valdez. Like, those guys are really cool. And um, yeah, they liked it, so I guess we did a few more. And um. Yeah, the house parties were really crazy back then. I guess to see Dr. No, like, Dr. No was amazing when we saw him. Aggression was probably, at that time, Aggression was probably, they were like the best band. They were, 
they were like real musicians. <laughs> it was amazing to watch them live, like in a house. I was like, dang, we'll never be that good. <laughs> they were fucking <laughs> awesome. They were so good. Well, they were they like, Mark Haber on drums. Go ahead. They're like grown men too, right? Where everyone else is like really yeah, young yeah, and they they're were, a few yeah, years old. They were older. Yeah, yeah. They were, yeah. We were like kind of intimidated by them. Like, dang, these guys are like real musicians. Like, wow. Yeah, we were kind of intimidated. Yeah. But it was yeah. pretty cool to see them. Yeah, Gerson was amazing. Yeah. Wh- what was the scene like, you know, pre 1984? So, like in 83, is it a bunch of house parties and just everyone being really friendly and getting to know each other? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> crazy dude it was like um because there was like the punk and then there was the people that weren't punk there was like the stoners and the hippies or whatever they did not like the punk i mean there was just constant there was fights all the time there was like but i mean punks all got along but then all these guys they would try to crash a party or they'd show up or whatever and then there would be a few fights but um but it, for the most part yet for the most part it was super fun uh yeah i don't want to yeah I'm not going to exaggerate, but yeah, but, um, it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was a lot of fun. The house parties were really cool because a lot of bands, that's how they started. Like, um, and when the first time I, we saw RKL, that was, that was insane. They were like the best band I've ever seen like, for how young they were. Everybody was bummed. Like when we saw them, they were too good for their, for their age. It was amazing to see them. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Was that before they had anything out? Yep, this is uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't they didn't have even played shows or anything. They, I remember we just went to a party and this band like, oh, I think we were playing too. RKL went on before us. That was the first time every anyone seen them, and it was just, it was mind blowing. Like, holy shit! Yeah, tough act, <laughs> tough act to them. follow. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, it wasn't. It was crazy. They were they were really good. I was like, that was. And they were like, they, I put them up there with bad brains. Like at that time, I don't know how they got so good at, and they were so young. <laughs> they must have just played were, all the time. They must yeah, have just practiced was, and practiced and par- practiced. Yep. Yep. They had to. I mean, that was, yeah, that was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Arkell was like one of my favorite bands back then. Yeah. You know, so, so the false confession demo is cool that it got documented, but, the seven inch is what's spectacular. Um, and it, okay. it's, well, it's, it's interesting that you, you make that jump out of doing kind of, you know, straightforward hardcore of the time to the seven inch. Yeah. Like you're really, you're tucking in like some of the, like more dark wave type aspects, like everything about it, right. From the imagery to the music, you know, going for a, a song like feline that was also on like the narcore comp, like a, not, not a crew, yeah. but like, you know, you're taking those risks. Like, what gives you this confidence to like go there, like while I you're think, so young? I think what happened was, um, I think it was like eighty three, eighty four. The whole death rock thing started happening. Uh, Israel got really into it, so and then um, you know he just started showing up with these lyrics, and then I don't know, just an idea. I think we just go let's let's try to do something darker, and then you know I think we were getting really into the whole thing and the British hardcore, you know, like GBH discharge stuff. And we just wanted to make like a more darker sound. And uh yeah, and that's how that happened. So yeah, it's a good chance Israel really wanted to go that direction. Like we he want he wanted to go way more into the feline direction, but it just it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool. We were we were all happy with it. You know? Do you do you remember do you remember how you hooked up with Mystic? Um, uh, let's see. I was thinking that I can't remember. I might, I probably, I might get it wrong, but uh, I think we met, talked to Doug, Doug Moody on the phone, or Phil, because I, I can't. You know what? I can't even remember if the False Confession EP came out first or the Plug in Jesus. But I just remember going to the studio and I think, I think it was Doug Moody. He was there the whole time we were recording. Uh, I think it was Doug, Doug Moody, uh, contacted one of us. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And he said, yeah, come down and record an EP. It was supposed to be a 12 inch, but I think we didn't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. 
it didn't we ended up not doing a full LP. So yeah, I can't remember. I was trying to think. Um, I don't remember. I think, but I'm pretty. I think it was Doug Moody though that did talk to us, talk to one of us. Do you remember anything about uh, recording the seven inch? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I know. Um, I remember was I was recording back. I had a little back TV backstage, you know, with a ten inch speaker, and just had the distortion all the way. If that was it, I just plugged into that. And then there was like a little drum room. I think we did it all in one day, but um, it was a lot of fun. I remember there was some kind of tension going on between Scott and Israel, <laughs> and then uh, I don't know Israel. I don't know what happened, but there was some kind of thing going on. But Israel like did a really good. He was pissed, like he was kind of angry doing the vocals. That time. we go, holy shit, Israel pissed off about something because the way we were gonna, we were watching him, you know, do the vocals. Yeah. And so what you hear on the on the record is him like he was not in a good mood. I don't think he was in a good mood, but he he was pretty angry. So <laughs> when you listen, you go, yeah, it's always pissed off in that record. <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh, yeah, so but it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was fun for the most part. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing because you know a lot of the mystic stuff gets knocked for not having good recordings, um, but for whatever reason, this seven inch sonically sounds great. Like. Why do you think it came out so good compared to so many other happened. things that came out bad? Because <laughs> you know what? You know, I heard about when um, Ilri 2 did their... Did they, they did a 7-inch uh, before... Um, they did the 7-inch before What Happens Next. Yeah, so you're Because I know the drums... Because Carl was telling me that the kick sounded so bad. Um, he had to play a coffee can with a spoon. Yeah. So when you hear that... Did he tell you that? Yeah. Did you hear yeah. about that story? Yep. That's hilarious. So I know that, but I don't know. I think maybe you had a different engineer. Um, that's my only. That's my only uh, explanation. I think there was a different engineer, and they didn't. And plus, we were kind of there for the mixing because okay. we were when yeah we were there for the mixing. I was telling them like turn the guitars up, oh turn turn the drums up, turn the vocals up, and <laughs> everything like just die. And it goes. You can't turn anything up anymore. It goes, well, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everything was like, it was, everything was on 10 on the mixing board. I remember that. Yeah. Well, so, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to say, but when I look back now, I was like, what was, I don't think that guy was a real engineer because he, because he turned everything up, but he didn't know how to get the levels after that. Because why don't you just put everything level and if any, whatever's too loud, just turn it down instead of turning what you can hear up because at the end of the session, <laughs> all the faders are like all on like 10, like on, it was way past. It couldn't go anywhere. Well, you intimidated so. him. You, you, mu- <laughs> you, you muscled him to have them all on 10. <laughs> you know, that, it was hilarious. And that's what you hear. So if you, when you hear the record, you're just hearing all the faders on like 10. It was, so there was no real mixing. In that's the secret of mystic. Then everyone should have cranked exactly it up to 10. Exactly on that. On that little mixing board, like well, yeah. it was like it was like a real console, but I just remember all the faders just all the way up. It was, it was funny. Yeah, you know, there's that one heavy metal pedal, the HM2. A lot of bands use it now. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that heavy metal pedal from like the '80s or whatever, and the the tone is garbage unless you put every knob on ten. Yep. And then exactly. you get that great brutal tone. It's like yep. Fuck, Mystic Records, exactly. the HM2 of studios. Fuck. Yep. Exactly. I got like five. <laughs> I got one. I got one heavy metal pedal, and then I have like four clones. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, some people and really. Some people are super fans of that pedal, and and that sound is pretty huge right now. Oh yeah, I love that sound. It's yeah. so gnarly. So it's yeah. like that's a total chainsaw sound. Yeah, yeah. So you do false confession. You also join Doctor No. How how did you join Doctor No? And and. Were, were there weird okay. like, were there weird band dynamics there? Were people bummed like that you're joining you another know, band? I don't even remember how um, like false confession just kind of fell apart. I think because we were so young back then, we just I, it just kind of like fizzled. I don't know. Like after the EP, and then I don't know. Kyle, Kyle just came up to me and goes, hey, "You know, play guitar and Doctor No." I go, "Okay." So, but I think the there was really no weirdness because 
Dr. Nell would be practicing, practicing Harry. Harry lived right across the street from Wainimi High. And I just remember going to his house and we would just, everybody would show up from Dr. Nell and we would, we would practice in there. And when I got in, I think that's when Brandon, I can't remember, I think Brandon quit. Brandon Cruz quit. And then there was, so we started auditioning singers in Harry's garage. And then uh, this guy, Mark Fisher, joined. And then that lasted a few shows, but he was pretty awesome. Um, this is before even writing the EP. But yeah, when I when I joined Dr. No, that things got pretty serious. Those, those guys were like, uh, they were getting like some pretty insane. It was pretty, pretty awesome. How was that? Like, but, how was that jumping from a band that like, you know, you were there from like the start and they're your buddies to like joining a band where it's already, they've been around for a couple of years and they're kind of fine tuned by that point. It was, um, because of, I was still really new to even playing and playing shows and, you know, playing in bands. It wasn't really that big of a deal. I mean, I just got in and all of a sudden I was practicing with them and then we were playing all these big shows. And, um, it was, uh, it was pretty cool, but I got to learn, learn a lot of stuff, you know, being in Dr. Nobby, we played a lot of really big shows, you know, um, like the UK subs, uh, Bad Brains, that was huge. Where was that at? Uh, the Bad Brain. we played a couple of shows with them. They did, I think we played like, uh, one in Santa Barbara and then one in, uh, where is it? San, I think San Diego. That okay. was, that was insane. That was, that was, wow. Yes. That was really cool. Yeah. San Diego has such a reputation back then of, of being such a wild, violent scene. Is that how you saw it as well? Well, we played with the, we played the UK subs and Battalion of Saints in San Diego. Uh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it happening. I mean, um, I was really cool. I was just, you know, like, uh, go show up the shows and watch the bands and, you know, like hanging out in the crowd and nothing really, I didn't, I didn't see it happening. I right. mean, if, if there was, I never really, uh, experienced it. Um, it was just a ton of fun. I mean, all the shows being in Doc Snow was a lot of fun. And Kyle was hilarious. He was, <laughs> he was super funny to be around. He's a, he's a clown. Yeah. But he's really cool. So, so you join and you're on the the plug in Jesus record. What do yeah. you do? You remember anything about recording that record? And and how did you feel when like Kyle played these songs for you? Like, here's these songs. This is a all time classic LP. Okay, I remember um, going to. We always met at Harry's because it was just me and Kyle. We would just uh, he goes here. I got some new songs to show you. So we would just sit in Harry's garage. And, he would just show me. I remember playing uh, Mr. Freeze when he showed it for the first time, and then um, we worked out. I remember working out those parts together because I think this is after the yeah because um, we did the false confession EP first. But you know how it climbs in the middle. He kind of wanted to kind of do like that thing, and thing. You know how it climbs in the middle of the song. Sure. So it's kind of it was kind of like that thing going on. Like we were just kind of throwing ideas back and forth. And then he asked, "Hey, let's do a couple of false confession songs on the on the record." Okay, okay. So, but then, and when we did, he goes, "Let's just let's change the intro and like think of another thing that we can do." Blah blah blah. So we, you know, we just kind of pushed around a couple parts, and then he put some new lyrics, and um, and then we just jammed for the rest of the day, just you know, working on songs and stuff. And then Yusma had a song too. Uh, I can't remember what. It Citizens of the world, yeah. Small wrote that one. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. Ho- Which, and we practiced a lot at uh, Kyle's house too. Kyle's garage. Hopefully, uh, Ismail also wrote the bass solo on the end of Circle of Fear. That's right. Yeah, he did that. <laughs> yep, yep. That's a classic. That's a classic solo. That was pretty awesome. I remember uh, being in the. Uh, <laughs> I remember being in the studio when you were doing the bass. We were all dancing. <laughs> doing the solo. <laughs> It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And El Duce was there the whole time we recorded. It was hilarious. And the mentors. He wanted to do a, uh, 
he wanted to do a rap album, um, so I think when we weren't recording, he was in there doing vocals for something, but him and Kyle were like, Kyle went in there and he started rapping too, but it never got released. I don't know whatever happened that that record or that song. Oh man, someone's got to dig it up. Yeah, I, I know they have because of re- recording, because they both did a rap, they both had a rap song, Duty and Kyle. I don't know what happened to it. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta bring it up too much. You ever talk to him? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's another great sounding record, though. That came out of Mystic. Um, did did it go over multiple days? And like, was the vibe? I mean, obviously, that sounds like it's a pretty fun vibe. But yeah, what, it was really fun. There was no tension. I mean, Rick, Rick, and Kyle. You know, they had their moments. They just they kind of butted heads every once in a while. But for the most part, it was it was really cool. Rick Heller, yeah. He's another, he's, he was like the, uh, kind of like the um, promoter and the band guy. He did all, like a lot of the band stuff, got all the shows. He was friends with Gary Tovar from Golden Voice. So that's why we're getting all these big shows. Yeah, he was a business guy, Rick Heller. But it was a lot of fun. He was a, he was a cool dude to be, be around. Yeah, the whole band was. It, was. it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you remember any other standout shows from that time? Yeah, I remember opening for Megadeth. That was insane. I was in Vegas. Um, <laughs> they Megadeth had set up all their equipment, like in front. You know, like they did the sound check, and then they were done, right? And they go, "Hey, aren't you guys gonna take your equipment off stage?" Like, nope, you guys got to sit in front of us. I go, "What? I never heard of that." Like, <laughs> that was the first time playing with a metal band. Like, okay, so you know, we set up our stuff. I mean, we only had like a foot. In front of, we only had like what three, three feet of space in front of all their gear. So we played. We we opened the show. It was like this big place in Vegas, but when went over really well, and it was like a bunch of metalheads there, and a bunch of honkers or what. And then um, so Megadeth comes on, and then they're uh, you know they're playing, and and every every time in between each song of. A Megadeth song, people are like, Doctor, no, Doctor, no, yeah. Doctor, no, <laughs> so, so after, like, I think the third, the fourth song, you know, they start doing it, Doctor, no, Doctor, no, so, and Dave Mustaine goes, hey, we like Doctor, no, too, man, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> hilarious, we're like, yeah, cool, and then after that, we're like, uh, like, people, like, coming up to us, like, Hey, can I get your autograph? Like every time the Rex, like that never happened. It was like, whoa, like this is getting serious. So that was a pretty big show. That was a, that was a standout show for me. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, what was the capacity of that club? Do you have any idea? Was was there? I five? think it was like, I think it was like five six hundred. Yeah, it was pretty big. Yeah, yeah, because that's big, but that's that's pretty early for Megadeth too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, Megadeth was. Kind of new. They were like his new Slayer. Yeah, I think that we played for, open a show for Slayer a long time ago. I remember it was like some outdoor show, but I don't remember a lot about that. I was so I think um, I just remember they played really fast. Like those guys are like hardcore, but really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, yeah it wasn't, how did it feel like years later when they they covered Doctor No? I was pretty awesome. Like, Damn, that's how it should have sounded no that's good <laughs> but then i played like when i first heard it oh this is insane then i i went back and played the you know the plug and juice one it wasn't too far it wasn't too much different they didn't so they go oh, okay you know i thought but it was it was amazing like holy shit this is good it was good yeah they played it, was, they played it really straight yeah yeah they did they did a good job i thought it was amazing yeah it's pretty awesome so plug in Jesus comes out like on a, a mystic side label called getaway. And, uh, one of the rumors I heard was the reason that it came out on getaway was because Kyle didn't want to be on the same label as the grim. Is that true? <laughs> really? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but I know it was, um, it's probably true, because, but I know, but still, still raves was, um, Doug Moody's partner, I guess you could say. Uh, he, it came out on his label. It's like, yeah, maybe that's why the. Uh, I mean, is, are there any other? 
bands on um, Get Away? Yeah, there there was like a few releases. Um, I can pull it up because I have a few that came out on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was still side label from Mystic, but um, I haven't heard that rumor, but it's, that's hilarious. Yeah. I don't, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the Dr. No and then uh, Slimy Valley, the comp came out on Getaway. Right. And then the, oh, okay. the Kilroy 7-inch and Instigator 7-inch. And then later, uh, I think it's the second AG's seven inch, and a band called Withdrawal. That was like some of the stuff that they were doing in the late eighties. Oh, okay, okay. So, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, why do you end up leaving Doctor No? All right. So, um, <laughs> let me see. So, there, yeah, things were getting pretty serious. Like they were playing like more and more shows. I think it was after the Megadeth show. He goes, "Hey, we got a." Rick had booked the whole. Uh, tour to go all the way to New York and back. And I don't know, I just I wasn't that serious at the time. I said, I, I, I told him I couldn't do it. I couldn't be gone for that long or whatever. And that's when uh, yeah, that's when I left and everything, but everything was cool. I mean uh, they understood. They go, okay and that's when it became a three-piece. When they toured, yeah, when they toured, they did that big old uh, tour, that first tour. Um Oh, now, when I'm looking back, I wish I would have went because I ended up not really doing a whole bunch after that. Sure. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was it. Before that big tour, um, when they went to New York and back. Yeah. How do you like the subsequent albums like uh, This Island Earth and Wreckage and Flesh? I don't know. They sound different to me. I don't know what happened. I think, um, oh, I remember... I remember I was still in the band when they were talking to Met, uh, Metal Blade. This time, Earth is on Metal Blade, right? It's, if it's not, it's on a subsidiary of it. It might be on like yeah. De- it might be on like Death. I'll pull it up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. I remember. Um, I, I was in the band. We were, we were talking to Metal Blade or Death Records uh, about doing the Silent Earth, and then um, I think that was about the same time I was leaving the band. So, but they ended up, I think they ended up, I think Kyle asked and I go, hey, can we do Left to Burn on it? Because Left to Burn is on this time on Earth, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, and then Scott Morris played some piano on it. Like, yeah, everything was really cool back then, even though I said I couldn't do the tour. They were, you know, everyone was, everyone understood, everyone, everyone was cool. But looking back, I wish I would have stayed, I would have stayed with the band. Yeah, what 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 do you think is like the peak of like the old narcore scene? Is it like that eighty four, eighty five era of all the all the bands that we're talking about? Yeah, I'm gonna say well, eighty five. I think it was yeah, eighty five. I'm gonna say eighty four. I think in eighty five, everyone started kind of experimenting out of hardcore. But I think I'm gonna say eighty three and eighty four was the peak of when that hardcore, the punk rock, and then. But Doc knows, I mean, Kyle was always had that metal edge. He always wanted to keep that whole vibe in there. Um, I'm going to say like 80, like for me, in my opinion, I think it was like 84, like 85. It was kind of peaking out there. Like nobody really, people were starting to, the bands want to get like a experimental, experiment a little bit out of the hardcore thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then 86, it gets kind of weird right because this island yeah. comes out Stalag kind of goes metal um yeah Bill repute breaks up mm-hmm. and then yeah and i think a lot of it had to do with um when that ssd control came out it was things got really slow after that because remember it was like um, i can't remember the name of it the how we rock but i think they, yeah how it was like the golden one said with the big ssd letters on the on the um cover right no, I think it was a blue one. But anyway, when we heard, whenever a lot of us heard that, like, they're like wow, they're powerful. Like, they're playing slow. Everyone's, you know, everyone's kind of slowing down a little bit. And then we saw Blast. That was like a big influence, too, when they came through Oxnard. We played some shows with them when I was in False Confession. So things were kind of, you know, it was, there was kind of a turning point when things were kind of slowing down or, or kind of branching out into different 
things, whatever. Like when False Confession played a uh, show with Seven Seconds, this was like in 85, 84, 85, maybe a little bit later. Uh, they were already doing this whole weird thing, like U2 kind of stuff. It was it was weird. <laughs> yeah. It was in the late 80s with, with the hardcore thing, with the hardcore bands. Yeah. Well, and, and what was it like, in your opinion, like seeing everything change so much? Because everyone's still so young. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was kind of a natural progression. Like, this is what I think, because everyone started learning how to play their instruments. So they thought they could be doing something different. Whoa, I don't want to play hardcore anymore. I'm going to play, like, I'm on the edge in U2 or whatever. I don't know. I think as people started to learn how to play their instruments and they try to, you know, try to do something else musically. That's what I think. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've I've never thought about like the SSD album being influential in that way. That's kind of mind blowing because you know, listening. It know, was influential on our scene. I think with people I know, like with Illyricute and um, and then seeing Blast and uh, with us with us even, you know. Um, yeah, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, it, uh, it just seems like the blueprint of what not to do. You know, I know, I know. It's so weird, and then that that how like like you said that how we rock. I think it sounded kind of like ACDC, like kind of ACDC kind of thing totally, going on. Totally, yeah. But and I think that's how. Um, I think if Uritu was kind of influenced by that, right? A little later, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to tell because you know, transition comes out whenever it comes out in the late '80s, and and I don't think it's supposed to be a record. And that thing is just such a weird mishmash of different things. There is some gold on there. Like I think of that song "Burning" is actually one of the better Ill Repute songs. Um, yeah, but you I'll know, oh, what happens next is like the that's the ultimate. That's a classic right there. Yeah, that's amazing. That's an amazing record. When we first heard it, like, whoa, <laughs> they got really good. It was, it was pretty awesome when it came out. Sure. So what what yeah. do you do all this time uh, when you're not like? playing in bands that are putting out music because false confession gets back together sometime in the two thousands. Right. Yeah. We got asked to play the NARC test, the first NARC test. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then since we didn't, yeah, we didn't have a bass player. So Ismael volunteered to do it. And then that's how, yeah. So he's still with us now. And, um, but in between that time, I had moved, to LA and I just I was just playing in bands here and there, uh, just working. Nothing really too serious. Did he play? Yeah. In, did he play in any bands that put anything out? Um, let me see. No, I don't think so. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Uh, I didn't play on any recordings. God, I can't remember. Nope, I don't think so. I just just joined a bunch of bands that. Uh, just playing shows, just playing clubs and stuff. That's kind of serious. That's kind of cool, though. Just to like still be playing music, even though if it's like not a band with a serious vision. Yeah, I wasn't really. Yeah, I wasn't really that serious. But it's just so weird. But when when we did after the first Narc Fest and we started playing all those shows, like, hey, might as well just get serious about it. It seemed like there was a lot of people that wanted to see us, so. We're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, so you get back together for that, and then you, you start playing a lot more. And and I think Ill Repute is still phenomenal. Like, and Yeah, I'm they are. so they, proud to have them be from Nard, because it's like, check out like our old school band. Like They play, and they're not embarrassing. They fucking kick ass, you know? And you guys are the same. Like, you came back, and it's like, obviously, I never got to see you back then, but you guys kill it. Like it's oh, thanks, man. it's a legit band. It's not like a a throwback or a tribute or you know you're playing for the money or or any sort of nostalgia. It's just like a band that comes out and kicks ass. Exactly, that's how we treat it. We're like it's just a band, and we're just doing what we do. And you know, it's so funny when um like other two could be like I'm surprised they haven't toured like done that huge tour yet. I don't know. I mean, that's, maybe they don't have that plan, but. Yeah, like you said, they're still amazing. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, they got to go to Europe, right? Well, yeah, for sure. So I don't, I don't know if they're they want to. Awesome. I don't know if they want to play Missouri on a Thursday night, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the they, where? No, somewhere in Missouri on a Thursday night. 
Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But did you go to that show um over the weekend with Pulley and uh, Solid? Oh no, I've lived in San Diego since 2006. Oh, you're in San Diego. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought you lived in Ventura <laughs> County. Okay. No, no, yeah, I, I live in LA these days. Yeah, I I grew up in Oxnard, but I moved here in 06 and never left. Cause, oh, okay. Because San Diego is the best city in America. Oh man, it's amazing. I love San Diego. Yeah. It's awesome. So that's cool, man. You you did record a new LP, correct? Yep. Yeah, we did. We did. And it, it should was, be coming uh, out anytime fun. soon. Yep. We kind of like it was been a little slow, but we just we just ran into some issues here and there. But um, the record is getting pressed. As uh, the order went in last week, or this it's going in this week, and they're predicting it might be out December as early as this. First thing they said, oh, it could be out in October. Well, we might send it to a different plant because this plant is, they're having issues with it, but um, it might, let's count on December. So yeah, I'm hoping December at the latest, but uh, we're pretty excited. Yeah. How, how was the process of writing a new record? That took, that took, a, took a while. Uh, we just started practicing a bunch and just all of, just came up with different riffs and started working out the parts at practice and working on the lyrics and yeah, until we were, well, we, everyone was happy with it, you know, and it took, uh, like it took longer than we thought. It took like a couple of years, <laughs> it took like a year or two yeah. until, we, until we could put, you know, like the songs played the way we wanted to. Um, but we think it came out really, really good. Uh, so can't wait till it comes out. Yeah, it's just straight hardcore. So, yeah, I can't wait either. What label is doing it? Uh, Puke and Vomit. It's oh, a, sick! It's, yeah, it's Radiation Records' um, record label. They're, they're, they, um, their side of is Queer Pills. They put out uh, the demo LP. Right. It's kind of the same, but Puke and Vomit is the main label. Yeah. Queer Pills is kind of the side label. Okay. But they want to be on Puke and Vomit now. Yeah, it's cool. I guess we kind of moved up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, yeah. that record store is awesome. Have you been in there? Yeah, it's amazing. I was I was there just uh, last week. They said we should have. They got the test pressings um, over the weekend. They said it sounds amazing. So awesome. Yeah, it should be pressed this week. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll find out this week. But it's it's coming. It's coming down the coming down the pipe. So. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, Thanks, man. We I'll see you there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and we we we're all pretty happy with it. Yeah, that rules. Fred, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Um, I just want to say thanks, Zach. He killed it on the uh, Narcore comp. Everybody, all the bands did. We're uh, we're honored to be on it. I can't believe the scene is still as strong as it is. And hopefully, uh, we'll be playing shows again. And you know, uh. We'll look out for our records coming out this year, 2020 and don't get sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll post about the record when it comes out on the, the 185 accounts for sure. Awesome. Man. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah. Fred, do you feel like you've been well represented on the interview? I think so. I was a little nervous at first, but I got kind of, you know, I think I was okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still nervous every time. So don't worry. And uh, yeah. I also speak worse than like every single guest. <laughs> so yeah, you sound fine. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, what do you think? I think you did great. I think everyone does great. All right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, I always I, I listen to a few of your uh, podcasts. They're great. They're, they're awesome. They're really cool. You know, listening to people like their stories and stuff. Yeah, I love it. It's it's been really fun. And also, you know, the best thing about it is it's like doing a band in a way the best thing is like reconnecting with old friends. Awesome, man. That's, that's cool. Now it makes sense to me why it's 185 miles south because you're in San Diego. That's right. Yeah. And it's a, play- I didn't know. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's a playoff the fanzine out of Oxnard. Right. The 60 miles north. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, Fred, thanks so much for doing this. I, I appreciate it a lot. Oh, thank you, Zach. Anytime. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. What's up, everyone? On the line, I got Marndez from Charman. How you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well. How are you? 
I'm doing great. So glad to, to get you on here, and, and I'm stoked on, on you guys doing the Charman set for the pod, so I appreciate that. Hey, thank you. It's an honor and a privilege. Yeah. Um, you know, I've known you a long time, and just so happy to um, just stoked on the podcast, and just, it's awesome. So Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and you know, the, the pod, we talk about a lot of older hardcore and, you know, incorporating myself. And your your brother was actually like really integral to getting me into the genre, um, you know. For any, I I mean, obviously for you as well. That'd be awesome to have him as your older brother. But uh, just for me, you know, when you get into a style of music like this, it's you know been around for over a decade. When you get into it, I mean, there's just so much shit, and you're gonna rely on either people that are older than you or, um, you know, people that know the genre better to like expose you to things, you know? And, and so he was a very important person for me, but, uh, yeah. And I'm sure you too, right? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, Darian, I mean, yeah, he showed it like, you know, way back in the, he was into it in like the early, early mid nineties when it was like, I was a little kid and it was kind of like mind blowing to hear, to hear that stuff. Like to hear like judge and things like that. It yeah. took a couple of years for me to kind of get into it. You know, I had to be like an 11 year old and listen to ska and whatever else is on the radio, you know, mm-hmm. bad religion. But, um, yeah, I mean with, with Zion and Graham, like both of them, cause Graham opened up a whole like eighties thing and you, you know what I mean? You and Ryan and just, um, once I started going to shows, it was definitely, um, just, just super cool. The amount of just information that people had about stuff and Craig, cause Craig was always, um, you know, Craig and Craig and I were friends since like junior high and got into record collecting and, and all of that stuff in the early two thousands. Yeah. So. Do you are you intimidated at all being in a band like you know, if, if people don't think of Charman as a band that's like has like these heavy hitting ex and current members, but if you think about it, it it is like you know, you got Tony from Annihilation Time and In Control and you got Zarian that was uh does Lecherous Gaze. And then also John Glue, you know, nails. So do you, do you feel like, does it feel strange being in a band with such heavy hitter, such heavy hitters? Yeah, it, it definitely does. Like, I mean, I feel, I feel like, um, and like for one, they've been really encouraging me to kind of like come into my element. And um, definitely for this last album, because it was um, like, I really felt that, that, um, like, like I really, I really wanted to push myself with my guitar playing, especially because, because Zarian was in, uh, you know, doing Lecherous Gaze for, for those years. And, uh, I mean, Graham's obviously, you know, like the pinnacle of, of kind of sound. And I've learned so much from, from just like watching him through the years. So I really wanted to, to do my best to make, to make like all the guitar parts as memorable as I could. And then just kind of just, um, just practice all the time to, to do it. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Um, you know. I think it's pretty cool, and but yeah, and John and John and Tony are, are are awesome, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching watching Tony. Like, um, when I was when I first started going to shows, I think the, the two best drummers in the in the area were was Tony and Graham, and I guess Danny Walker too from like Uphill Battle and stuff like that. But that was definitely like who I was watching. So it's been really cool to have them on board and to play uh, to play music with them, which is a interesting story because um when the band was the band was first starting uh with like craig and, and zarin and i uh west west from later annihilation time on the third record he was playing drums but then he wasn't into playing drums wanted to play play guitar so we asked tony and uh he was down and then we're to record and then that's the the black lp that um the self-titled one and uh then um with with john um Craig, Craig had recorded John at my, at my mom's house. So the first time I met John, he was like 15 and he could like play the Charmant. They play like all the Charmant songs already, like as good as I can or better. And he could play like every Who song. So it was just kind of a natural fit. Um, when the time came that we needed a bass player, that he was the, the right person. So it feels like a, it feels like a, like a large family of heavy hitters for sure. Yeah. And we should bring everyone up to speed that, uh, Charman, you got three LPs out now. The new one came out in September. Uh, can you talk a little on that, like the name and, and a little bit about that record? Yeah, the name of the the name of the record is called Power of the Night, and um, it's um, you know it, it it came about uh, the thing with the band. It was it was sort of 
besides like the first couple years, like 2000, like, you know, like three to like five, it was, it was more active, but it was kind of, even though we're playing shows, it was kind of sort of like a side thing that started to stop. But, um, since Arian moved back from the day, um, we were all just really focused on it. So, so the name of it came from, um, Zarian and, and Chris Grande, um, who, who helped write the lyrics to, to that song with Zarian. So, um, actually, it's a funny story. The, um, the name of that, of, of, of that was actually, the song's actually about Renfield. If you, if you know from Dracula, he's like the dude that, like, he's the dude that, that, uh, before, like, the Keanu Reeves kind of goes out, guy goes out there, he, he's like crazy and in like, and in like a cage, and he's just like the master, master, and like eating bugs and stuff. So he wanted to tell like the story from like Renfield's perspective. So that's what that song's about. Um, so yeah, it really, but really it's just kind of like just embracing the unknown and just stepping up to your true self is kind of how I see it. Yeah. And how do you compare this record to the, uh, the first two? I think it's, um, this one is, is by far my favorite. The thing with, with the other one was, um, you know, it was like the band was always in some weird state where, with the, with the black one, we weren't really playing shows because um, uh, Wes wasn't in it. And uh, and we, did, we basically got Tony to just to, to record the songs with us. And then after it was recorded, we were like, well, you want to play some shows when you're not, since AT wasn't doing anything. And uh, similar thing with, 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 with Barney in the West. When, when, when Craig passed away, we wanted to record the songs we weren't really playing. So it feels like, like those albums were like a lot looser for me in a lot of ways. While this one, it's like we trimmed the fat, we worked on the arrangements and um, you know, John and Tony are really just really good at, at arranging stuff. And then um, Taylor, Taylor Young got uh, at the Pit Recording Studio, got a really good sound out of us. It's like the first time that I think it got the closest to, to capturing how the band sounds live. Yeah, I thought it was so impressive, uh, you guys going to Taylor, because, you know, he's known for getting the heavy tones, you know, and for him to like dial into this totally different sound is really a, a testament to what he does. Yeah, yeah. I only have like the have like the highest things to say about him. It was it was such a great experience working with him. And you know, obviously, uh, you know, John has the has um, all that time spent with him and nails, so they're they're really close. And um, yeah, I think it was it was it was really it was probably really fun for Taylor because it was um, sort of challenged him a little bit in in terms of like what the band sounds like and what we're going for. But um, I'm really yeah, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Okay. The other ones, I'm, I'm always like, there's, there's little parts of it. I don't know if it's like this for you, but sometimes there's like little parts and you like almost like cringe at times. Like, oh my God, what did that? What was I thinking? But with this one, it's so far, it's just, I'm just really proud of it from start to stop. And the comp song too. Yeah. Yeah. That comp song is my favorite song on the comp, dude. So everyone, thank you so much. Yeah, dude. Everyone's got to get the Narcor for Life comp. You already know that. I've pitched it way too hard. Uh, and everyone's got to get this Charman LP. Where can they get it at, Maher? Or fucking fuck. Where can they get it at, dude? You can get it at charman.bandcamp.com. C-H-A-R hyphen M-A-N dot bandcamp.com. And it's Charman Power of the Night. Yeah, dude. Everyone handle business. So we're going to get a live Charman set on right now. Uh, what was this experience like for you? The experience recording with Ian was awesome. And this recording, this interview with you, it's always a pleasure. You know, there's just so much to talk about. Um, known you for so long. And um, it's always, it's an honor and a privilege to be on 185 miles out. Yeah, that's what's up. All right, let's go to Charman, busting it out, Ventura, California. What's up, everyone? We're going to get to Charman right now, but I wanted to say, a uh, big thank you to Ian who recorded this. And if you like the way this sounds and you want to get your band recorded, you want to record anything, uh, he's in the Ventura County area. You just hit up title sound online at gmail.com or you can follow him on Instagram. It's title sound on Instagram. So check that out. Hit him up if you want to get a recording and let's get on with charm man.
Okay, hey, um, for, uh, what do you have? Do you have any more uh, time in you to like scratch the recording? What? Yeah. 